Hi, I'm Sue and I'm the pastor here. And I wanna welcome you to Sermons for a Critical Faith podcast, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Today's message is part of our Lent series called Busy, Connecting with an Unhurried God. The series encourages us to find balance in our lives and connect with what is most meaningful and life-giving. If you find what you hear helpful, subscribe to our podcast and stick around after the message and I'll give you a little more info on how you can get involved and be a part of what God is doing here. Our next scripture reading is from also the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 21 through 28, some of Jesus te- one of Jesus' teachings and a story. Jesus said, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, otherwise the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost, and so are the skins but one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Ab... Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Chris asked what was different in the sanctuary, and the kids rightly pointed out We have palm branches and mini palm trees here. Uh, The other thing that's different is it's the first Sunday of the month and the communion table is missing. We are not having communion today, and I will tell you why. Palm Sunday is unique in all of the Sundays of the church year. Every other Sunday we celebrate is a mini Easter, and actually every other Sunday it's appropriate to have communion. It's kind of odd that actually we don't do that here on Easter Sunday. Um, That would be like the, the perfect time to have communion. But Palm Sunday is a time to skip it. And the reason for that is we don't want to rush the story of Easter. Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. It is the day that we start that journey to Jerusalem with Jesus He has not yet reached the upper room to have that meal with his disciples where he breaks the bread and pours the cup and and says some strange new words over it that are familiar to us but would not have been to his disciples. He still has to face the betrayal of his friends. He still has to be arrested and whipped and beaten. He has not yet had his hands nailed to a cross and he's not yet died. Sometimes when we celebrate communion, we, we emphasize the Easter part of that story because we're talking about new life. Today is a day to not rush that story and to take a little bit of time to go on that journey with Jesus. 
The traditional time for celebrating communion is Monday, Thursday during this week, and that is what our Thursday worship service is going to be about. So I hope you will all join us for that. It's at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary, and it will be live streamed as well. And we will focus on the significance of that, me uh, that meal for all people. So I hope you will join us for that special service this week. But today, though, we are at the beginning of the week when Jesus enters Jerusalem. Now, our theme for Lent has been stop and breathe, stop rushing through life, which also means don't rush this week, don't skip over everything and go straight to Easter. Rather, be present for the moments of the story. Pay attention to what is happening. Pay attention to where God is active. Notice what's going on and where God is prodding you to enter into this week of death in preparation for life. What is God prodding you to let die so that you might live? So in that spirit today, I want to invite you to focus not so much on what you need for life, but what others around you need. Because noticing isn't just about us. It's about what is God doing in this world in which we live. So, in that spirit of noticing, let's start with where our worship service began. Jesus' grand entry into Jerusalem. Most churches I know will have started out just like we did. They would have had their kids singing and waving palm branches, big music. It would be this, this parade feel and everybody shouting Hosanna. It's upbeat and, and feels good. But do you know what the word Hosanna means? It means save us. The people who gathered that first Palm Sunday as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey were not saying, yay Jesus, they were calling out, save us. Now, we can debate whether they were talking about save us from Roman occupation, save us from religious rules that we're supposed to give life but create a burden. Save us from oppressive systems that kept them in poverty or denied them justice or all of the above. The point is, we celebrate Palm Sunday as this wonderful, upbeat parade. But the reality is it was probably more of a protest march. It was people who were hurting. It was people who were feeling crushed by life and pleading for help. In other Gospels, it's ironically enough not in the Gospel of Mark, but in other Gospels we read what happens when people start crying out for Jesus to save them. The Pharisees and the, the other religious leaders come to Jesus and say, make them be quiet. Shut them up. And they tried to shut it down. You see, the present order of that day, you can determine for yourself how today might relate to it, but the present order of that day was, was built on domination, it was built on drawing clear lines, boundaries between who was in and who was out. It was built for the benefit of those who had power to the detriment of those who did not. 
whereas Jesus was about serving human needs, whether that was for justice or food or compassion or hope, the society in which they lived was about preserving the power of those with means. And people recognized that then. And they either embraced it or they fought against it. And the people who were at that first Palm Sunday parade were crying out against it. Now, Jesus, as I said, he was about how do we meet human needs? How do we make sure people have food to eat? How do we show compassion? How do we make sure that justice is being, being enacted fairly so that everyone has what they need? And the religious leaders of that day probably would have said, well, that's what we are about too. We are about serving human needs. We want to make sure that everybody has what they need. We want to make sure everybody is also right with God. They were just going about it in a different way. And in fact, they saw Jesus' way as putting the people at risk with the Romans and with God. Because they didn't recognize that their vessels, their form, their wineskins of faith and practice and politics could not hold the promise of life that Jesus embodied or that people really longed for. They had their way of doing things that they had worked out over centuries that kind of maintained a status quo. It may not have been a great status quo, but it was a status quo where everybody knew what to expect and you knew what to do to stay safe. And Jesus came and was upsetting that. Maybe one of the most important things for us to notice is that sometimes the way we've always done things or what we are used to or what we are comfortable with no longer meets the needs of people. That form that the Pharisees practice, that form of, religious, uh, of religion and that form of their relationship with Rome served a need at one point to provide a sense of stability and safety, but over time, it no longer meant the most basic human needs of God's people. So, question for us today, where has the form, the wineskin, become more important than the need it was supposed to meet? Let me give you a couple of examples. First one was in the Gospel reading. Jesus, once again, violates the Sabbath, although there's some debate about whether he really did or not, because Sabbath rules said you can't work on the Sabbath. The written rules said you can't use an instrument of harvest, a physical tool, to harvest on the Sabbath. It did not preclude someone walking through a field who might be hungry and picking some grains and eating them. But the oral, oral tradition over centuries had developed to the point where the oral tradition said that was no longer access, uh, acceptable. So by one set of rules, Jesus violated the Sabbath. By another, he did not. And of course, it was the Pharisees who went by the oral rules that got on Jesus' case, and Jesus got in trouble. 
But what we learn from that story is that the form of honoring the Sabbath became more important than the reason for the Sabbath. The reason for the Sabbath was so that we wouldn't have to toil and work. We, wouldn't have to, we would have at least one day a week where we did not have to focus on producing stuff for other people. We can actually rest and remember that we were made for life. We were made to live. We were made to embrace the fullness of God's creation on that day. We were not mere cogs in a machine. But because the Pharisees had reinterpreted the rules for the Sabbath, to stop even that most basic action of just taking a a little bit of grain from a, from a wheat stem and eating it. They'd outlawed that. They'd forgotten what the Sabbath was about. Second example. This past week we had another school shooting. 129 so far this year. Six people were killed, including three nine-year-olds and also the shooter. And I was thinking about this in terms of Palm Sunday and the parade into Jerusalem, and I wonder if Jesus were riding into Washington, D.C. today, it would be children lining the streets crying out, save us. Save us. Just like they did after the shooting at the Parkland High School in 2018. I had so hoped that the collective cries of the children at that point would actually make a difference, but unfortunately, they did not. This is not an argument for or against the Second Amendment, but I think we have to be honest. The worship of the Second Amendment and what it signifies to those who worship it has become more important than the lives of our children. Perhaps the worship of the Second Amendment needs to be put to rest so that the new wineskins that holds Jesus' promise of life without fear can be shared. Both of these examples illustrate where we have become tied to the form of something to the point where it actually blinds us to its impact on other people. I think about those who gathered that very first Palm Sunday. Many of them would have lived in generational poverty in debt to the same landlords for generations. Many of them would rent their tools from their landlords, but the rent on the tools themselves was so high that they could never harvest enough to pay the rent. And so they were constantly in debt. They would never get out of debt. Now, we might look at that and say, well, maybe you just need to find another way to make a living or find a way to live with less. But that's not always possible. Stories like that are still told today. When you're underwater before you're even born, how do you get out of it? It's the system, the form, that needs changing, not necessarily the people. But when the system is part of the air we breathe, even we don't always see how it impacts those at the bottom of the ladder. 
One of the foci of our Justice in Action group is criminal justice reform. Huge topic, they've narrowed it down. And one of the things they learned as they were working on narrowing that down is that about, I think it was two-thirds of the people in our city and county jails are there pre-trial, meaning they are still innocent until proven guilty, but they can't afford bail. I'm looking around here. Most of us, if we were arrested, would be able to afford bail. Did you know that many companies have rules that say if you miss three days of work, no matter what the reason, you no longer have a job? And if you don't have a job, your landlord will give you your 30 days notice because they know you can't pay the rent and you are out of a home. And if you happen to be divorced with children, you may lose custody of your children because you don't have a way to provide for their, their, their needs there. That happens in our own community. It's the system we have, but many of us are blissfully unaware of that. That is one of the forms, the old wineskins, you might say, that is no longer meeting our current needs and addressing the needs of real people right now. As followers of Jesus, we are more responsible than anybody else for being aware and for doing something about it. Because Christ came to give life to all people. And we are Christ's hands and feet in the world. We, more than anyone else, are called to pour out that new wine of hope and justice and compassion and mercy and change and renewal over every system that dehumanizes another person or that robs them of hope. Which means we are called to action. And as we've been saying for years now, God really does want more from us than our thoughts and prayers. So part of this noticing we are called to do is to notice what's going on in the world around us. What are those systems that need to be put to rest so that something new can be born that brings life and hope to people? Now, how about the church? Got to talk about the church with this too. Because like the Pharisees, we all, I include myself in this, are in love with the old forms of faith. And we also can find it difficult to see the future, a future of hope that is anything but a recreation of the golden years of the past, which, by the way, were never as golden as we might remember them to be. But that's the way we remember them. Let me give you an example. Ask most any church what they want, and they are going to say, shout it out what you think any church is going to say they want for their future. More people. And did I hear finances out there? Yep. More people, more money. The two, by the way, are very much tied together. If you continue pushing a church to say, well, well why do you want to grow? Why do you want more members? And they're going to try to stumble, and I can say, say this because I've experienced this working with churches, they're going to stumble around, stumble around and try to come up with some, some nice theological sounding reasons for why you know, we want to share the good news and grow, but when you keep pushing them, you know what most churches eventually end up saying? We want more members because we are, we are growing smaller, our expenses are not going down, 
and we need more income. And so if we have more members, they will contribute to the church. And then the programs that have been so meaningful for me will continue. That's the reason so many churches really end up talking, not all, but so many really end up talking about why they want to grow. We want to be sure that the church continues to exist until our funeral. And I need new people to come in to pay the bills so that the church will be here for me. We love our old wine and the old wineskins. We love the feel of that leather. We love the taste of the wine. So when budgets are tight, what do we want? More members so they can help us buy more of that old wine that has been so meaningful to us our whole lives. Because if it's been meaningful to us, us, it must be meaningful to them too, right? But we are afraid to taste that new wine that is offered. I think deep down we all want a world where no one lives in fear. We want a world where justice is about everyone having enough, have what they need, they have hope. We want a church that's full of joy and life. We want a church that's making an impact, a positive impact in people's lives. But we are so connected to those old wineskins, we don't always see how they don't work anymore. They can't hold the new wine that Jesus offers. But Jesus came offering new wine and not old. Do you remember the story of the wedding in Cana? Wedding party ran out of wine. Jesus, uh, Mary says to Jesus, do something. He says, okay. And he turns water into wine. Had it even aged for a day. And it was the very best wine anyone had ever tasted. New can sometimes be really good. We worship a God who says, I came that you might have abundant life. I came so that you might feast on, on the bread from heaven and never be hungry, that you might drink from the, the wine of new birth, the water of new birth, and never be thirsty. I came that you might enjoy the fruits of your labor, that you might be part of a community of, of caring and compassion, that you might share hope with others. But in order to have that, we have to set aside that old wine and the old wineskins and fill our cup with the new. We have to acknowledge that the world as it is now, and even the church as it is now, isn't living up to the holy calling we have to be a place where love and God's generous justice exist together and shape our way of being together. We aren't living up to being that world where every human being is loved and valued and invited into a place where renewal can happen. If we want that kind of a world, we have to be willing to set aside those old forms and look at things differently. We have to be willing to set aside our rights and look at what is good for the whole, especially the least among us. We have to be willing to think outside the box when it comes to finding solutions for issues, whether it's in, the, in our society at large or in the church, because what we've been doing, maybe it worked in the past, but it's not working now. We have to be willing to let go of treasured traditions and ideas and 
recognize the world has changed from 30 years ago. Even in the, the 30 years I've been a pastor, the church is incredibly different from when I first started. And what worked 30 years ago isn't going to connect with people today. We have to be willing to acknowledge that God is doing something new in this world. And we may not be comfortable with it. But we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to go with God and try this new wine anyway? Are we going to stay here, drink that old wine we know and love so well, until it's gone and there's nothing left? The new wine doesn't ever run out. It's a source of life and hope and renewal that looks forward, not back. It sees the person in front of you as a beloved child of God, not a tool to be used or an adversary to overcome or an enemy to resist. It is God's answer to the cries of the children who cry out, Hosanna, who rely on us for their future tomorrow and literally their life today. And that new wine is God's gift to you, too. Because God desires for you and for your children and for the world a future full of life and abundance. That's why Christ came. So which wineskin will you drink from? The old are you willing to give the new a try? Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. At First Presbyterian Church, we believe that we aren't made to do life alone. We are made to do it with others. If you're looking for a community of people who will meet you and welcome you as you are, then head over to our website, fpclincoln.org, to find out how you can join one of our small groups or studies and get connected with other people. Or if you just want some more information about our church or want to talk to someone, contact us through our website and someone from our team will reach out to you. You know, every week we get to hear stories of people finding God through these messages. And none of that would be possible without the amazing generosity of the people of First Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to join them in being a part of helping these life-changing messages continue to go online every week, then you can make a donation. And you can give by clicking the link on the website that just says Give. That'll tell you everything you need to know. We thank you for your generosity. However much or little, it really helps. And thank you mostly for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Be sure to check out our other episodes or check out our YouTube channel at FPC Lincoln and check out our other messages to help you on your journey. And don't forget, subscribe to the podcast Sermons for a Critical Faith so you can know when we release new episodes. We love you and I hope you have a great day. <music>